Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Okay, so let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Psalm chapter, Psalms chapter 78. Um, I, I thought it was so cool with the, the theme of the worship this morning, how um, in the Spirit God was connecting some things with the message. The message I'm bringing to you today is called Victory is Yours. Victory is yours. And, um, but before we do that, I've got to share some dumb stuff with you too. These are, these are comments that you never hear at church. Hey, it's my turn to sit on the front row. <laughs> I was so enthralled, I never noticed your sermon went 20 minutes over time, Pastor. I hear that every week. Personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than golf. <laughs> Things you never hear in church. I volunteer to be the permanent teacher for the pre-K class. Where's Pearl? There I am. Did you, did you hear that? That's a word from God, isn't it? Oh, you never heard that? You want to hear that. Our kids' pastors over here. There you go. Or how about this? I love it when we sing songs I've never heard before. <laughs> Things you never hear in church. Since we're all here, let's start early. <laughs> and lastly, nothing inspires me more than a sermon series on tithing. <laughs> all right. Turn to somebody and tell them, victory is yours. All right. Now tell them again, I wasn't kidding. Victory is yours. All right, victory is yours. Psalm chapter 78. Psalms chapter 78. Now watch this. King David is writing and he says, Yes, they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now notice what he says. He says they spoke against God in asking that question. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now, you have to understand why he's saying this and why he's saying this question is speaking against God. The question is speaking against God because they've already seen what God can do. They've already seen his miraculous power. They've already seen what he could do in the way of their deliverance from Egypt. 430 years of slavery. It's a long time to be in bondage. 430 years. Our, our country is almost 200 years younger than that. And yet, this mindset over time sets in as this is the way it is and this is the way it's going to be forever. But then God heard their cries and he called upon a man named Moses to come and help deliver them and to bring them out of that bondage and, and into a land of promise. So when Moses started doing this, when he went and faced the Pharaoh and, and told him he needed to let the people go because that's what God's plan was, there was much uh, hindrance from him over this. And so there were these ten wonders of God that took place that Pharaoh watched with his own eyes and the people of Egypt experienced plagues and blood, water turning to blood and ultimately... Uh, the big one was when the firstborn of every household was dead. 
And at that tenth plague, it broke the back of Pharaoh and his will. And they left. God brought them out with a great victory. Not only that, what's amazing is that alone was a victory that they could be brought out as one nation in one night. Two and a half to three million of them. But not only that, but God did something miraculous for them in that. He delivered them from bondage. He also healed every one of them. The scripture says that not, in, in later on in Psalms, it says there was not one feeble among them. So anyone that was dealing with some kind of lame limb or a sickness or a chronic disease or any of those who were in, in, in experiencing chronic pain, they were all healed. That now imagine that. Can you imagine two and a half to three million people healed? Not one feeble was among them. He strengthened all of their bodies for the journey. Extraordinary. But not only that, but they also plundered Egypt and took all of their gold and their silver and their precious jewels with them. They walked out of there healthy and wealthy. Sounds like that health and wealth gospel. Well, it's part of the deliverance. It's part of the deliverance. You don't have to like it. You don't have to have it. I'm taking it. I'm taking everything that God has for me in this deliverance. Amen. Praise God. Well, could have had a better amen, but that's all right. What, what can you do? What can you do, my family, when, you are, when you're stuck in a place that um, you can't see any way out? What, what, what do you do when the, when the bills are piling up and there's a lot more month than there is money? When your marriage looks more like prison than partnership? Just keep looking straight ahead. Your, when your health is a constant concern, maybe that's you today. It's, you've developed an anxiety about it. Maybe you're driving to work every day to a job that you have to do, not a job you want to do. Feel like you're always treading water. Can't sleep at night, can't stay awake during the day. You need things to change, you want things to change, but you don't have the energy to do anything about it. I don't know if I'm talking to you today, but because what it would take to make the change is hard to imagine because you're already seem swamped with what you're doing. And to add one more thing to it just makes everything very difficult because what you're doing isn't even getting finished. Nothing seems to be working right. You're maybe at a standstill in your life. So what can you do? You need help. You really need help. You need intervention. You need God to do something. Maybe you're here today and you're on the cusp of giving in. Maybe you're on the cusp of giving up and you've really truly come to the end of yourself to where all you see is an end. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here today because I have some good news for you. There's a new beginning for you. There's a new start. There is a way. There is a breakthrough. There is help for you. There is a strength for that weakness. There is hope for your devastation. 
there is light for your darkness. God is a very present help in time of need. And see, what he has done for us as his children, what he's done for the world, is brought his church here so that we can come to a place where we can hear hope again, where we can hear a message that breathes new life into us, that helps us get the right perspective about life. You know what, you know what I'm talking about when you just get out there in the, in the drive of life and it seems like one thing after another is happening. So where all you can see is all that consumes you. And so faith is somewhere way away. And faith doesn't even sound reasonable to you. Because faith sounds fake. Faith sounds like denial. When you're stuck here, that's what faith looks like. When you're stuck in your own strength and your own doing and your own thinking, Faith just sounds like some cult. But faith is your victory. And I'm here to get the truth to you because I know what Jesus said about the truth. He who knows the truth gets set free. Truth doesn't set you free. Truth that you know sets you free. So I want you to know something today. That victory is absolutely yours and it was paid for you at a high price. The price of the living Son of God, giving up His life and dying for your sins so that you can have victory. Faith is not a masking of things. Faith is not a denial of things as they are. Now, there is a cult out there called Scientology that teaches that. Scientology teaches you to deny things as they are, to call those things that be as though they are not. That's not faith. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. Whole different reality. That be not as though they are. It's not denying the circumstances. It's just declaring what God has said into those circumstances. All right, you may be sick. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? You accept it? Or do you fight it? Because the scripture teaches us to fight the good fight of faith. Why, why does it call it the good fight of faith? I used to wonder about that. Why does it call it the good fight of faith and not just the fight of faith? A good fight is the fight that you win. <laughs> that's the good fight. When you walk away, the victor. And that's why it calls the good fight of faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith is something, it's not to be, uh, it's, it, this is not something for you to take lightly. It's not something for you to ignore. It's something for you to live in right now because this is where you find everything that God has for you. This, it's the key to everything. It's the, it's the key that unlocks the, the treasure chest to all the promises of God becoming a reality in your life. We cannot talk about faith in God enough. We cannot stress this enough. I can't do it enough. I try to preach other things, but I keep coming back to this over and over again because I know what's out there in the world. I know what's, what, what, what's out there in the world is come to, to, to weigh you down, to persecute you, to bring tribulation into your life. That's the way the world is. It's hurting, it's dying, it's sighing, it's crying, and it, it offers very little help to you in that way of, of obtaining your victory. But faith is the victory. Faith in God is the victory that calls you to rise above those circumstances in your life, to, to overcome the challenges, to come out of the darkness and into his glorious light. Hallelujah. Every good thing 
God has for you is going to come through you saying, I believe you. Despite what I'm seeing right here in the natural. Because when you're in trouble, when your back's against the wall, that's not the time to misappropriate the word of God in your life. That's not the time to start saying, well, can God do that? That's exactly what Israel did. This is the moment when you find yourself in trouble to start remembering something. To remember the Lord your God. To remember his faithfulness in your life. To remember that he was there when nobody else was there. Remember that he healed you. Remember that he helped you. Remember that he kept you on the road when you looked like you were going to go off. When you looked like you were just about to wreck that car. But somehow God helped you to, to correct that steering. Come on, I'm talking to you today. Maybe some of you here should have been dead through different circumstances, but you're not. Somehow, someway, God brought deliverance for you. God intervened in your situation. When your marriage looked like it was on the rock, Praise God. Now it's not. When things were shaking, now they're not shaking anymore. When you lost hope, when you got that bad report, but now here you are. That's the time. this This is what David taught us in his boyhood years. As he's about to face a challenge. To fight a giant that no one else was willing to fight. Not even the king, not even the leader would fight him. But David, David remembered what they forgot. He remembered that God was on their side. He remembered that they were the covenant people, that God had made a covenant with his father Abraham, and that he said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless your descendants. And he knew that God was with Abraham, Abraham even in a battle when Abraham only had 318 guys and had to go fight four kings. And whipped all of them with 318 men. He knew that the victory was his. Even, even Melchizedek, the high priest, said, Blessed be the Lord God, possessor of heaven and earth, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. He knew that's who his God was. And so what, as he's standing before the king and the king saying, David, how are you going to get this done? Thank you, sweetheart. You saw that I was struggling. The king, that's why I married you. The, 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 king, the king sees David. He, they bring him to the king and said, we got one optimistic guy in the group. He thinks he can whip this, this giant. So then Saul is talking to him, and he says, you're just a boy. He's been a champion since he was your age. He's been a champion in war since he was your age. What makes you think? See, all, all he could think about was this giant. All that was in Saul's mind and reasoning was, had to do with this giant and his size and his experience. And then David brought this revelation to the king who should have had this revelation, said, the Lord delivered me from the hand, from the paw of the lion once, who came out to try to take one of my sheep, and I chased that lion down, and I beat the hell out of him. (laughs) And I rescued that lamb. And then a bear came out one day, and I did what to the bear what I did to the lion. And this giant is going to be just like them. Because here's what I've learned, Saul. God's not intimidated by the size of the problem. The lion, the bear, the giant, it's nothing. They're all the same. I love this this kind of thinking. I love this kind of thinking. So what does David do when they're faced with a challenge? He starts recalling the victories. He starts not only recalling them, but declaring what God has done before. And if he's done it before, my family, he has to do it again. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said if he's done it before, he has to do it again. 
That's when you got to talk about what was. Lord, I know you were here for me. I remember when you healed me. I remember when I cried out to you and you met me there. Nobody else knows that night, but you know. Nobody else knew that, that, that dark place I was in. Nobody knew that I was at my end and thinking crazy thoughts. But you, you were there. You saw me in my distress and you came and helped me. You were there. You've been there all along. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? He says they spoke against God in saying this. After he brought them out of slavery, 430 years of slavery, after he was taking them to a land of promise, after he had split the sea. Wasn't that a good song this morning? Split the sea, and they walked on dry ground with walls of sea on each side of them, on the right hand and left. What an ominous sight that must have been as they walked through. And now, 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 all they can say is, can God help me in this? See, this is how the victim starts to think. The victim starts to think that this circumstance is a special circumstance that nobody possibly could understand. They begin to isolate themselves into their own trouble. And believe and think about how ridiculous this is. When we're all sitting here in church, we can see how ridiculous it is. But when you're in the situation, sometimes it makes sense. Starts to think that nobody could possibly understand what I'm going through. My trouble is the exception to the trouble, the rule of trouble for all humanity. Nobody's ever experienced what I've experienced. Right? And begin to enclose themselves in being overwhelmed and, and, and close themselves in despair. And when you're in despair, nothing's reason. You, you don't say anything reasonable because fear and despair rob you of sense. It robs you of truth so that you say outlandish things. And so you see it. You know, the, the, here's the deal. And I was telling the earlier services that the, the problem with a pity party is the only one that's going to attend that is you. Now, I know. You see invitations to it on Facebook all the time. Right? You do. You see the invitations to it all the time. I want to invite you to my pity party. Come and feel sorry for me. Let me just tell you everything that's wrong and why it's wrong and why I'm justified in feeling this way, why I'm justified in being bitter, why I'm justified in being angry, why I'm justified in ranting and saying whatever I want to with no possible accountability because I can sit and hide on my computer in my house. And should I dare face someone face to face? Now, I wouldn't talk like that, of course, but here I'm free to say whatever I want. And so I want to invite everyone to come and feel sorry for me. And I do not welcome reason, logic, I do not welcome any other opinion but my own. I just need you to accept what I'm saying and agree with it. And if you don't, if you don't, I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to justify. And if that doesn't work, I'll just have an emotional breakdown. Yeah, let's all go to that party, huh? You want to go? Sounds like fun, doesn't it? It happens all the time, though. It's how the victim thinks. The whole world is about themselves and their trouble, and they make it larger than it really is. And this is what the king is doing right now. But he's been a champion since he was a boy, and David said, what is that? 
What is that compared to this God of ours? God is on our side. Well, okay, well, let me at least help you fight. Let me give you, since I'm not going to do it, <laughs> obviously. Here, put on my armor. So he puts it on, and David hasn't tried this armor. He, this is not how he fights. So he takes it off. He peels his arm off, and you can almost hear him say, King, I don't need your armor. I have your anointing. And I have this rock and this sling. And you're going to see what God can do. And so when David goes out to fight this Goliath, this is a glorious thing. And he sees Goliath in all of his intimidation, standing nine to nine and a half feet tall, covered in mail and armor and he's got a massive spear and a sword and a javelin and somebody carrying his shield out in front of him. It's an ominous sight. And David, it says that he ran toward the battle. He didn't waste any time. The giant said, come here and I'm going to feed your carcass. He said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. I see all the stuff that you've got, but I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied this day. This day, I'm taking your head from you. Come on, you need to tell your trouble today. This day, I'm taking your head from you. This day, the trouble ends. This day, this day the giant is going to get shut up once and for all. This day, I'm taking your head from you. And then everybody around here is going to know that the God of Israel does not save with armor. He does not save with sword. He does not save with spear. Woo! And did he do it? The giant's confession failed. David's confession prevailed. He took his head from him just like he said he was going to do. And God wrought a great victory that day. Why? Because David remembered what God can do and did do and will do. Hmm? I said what he can do, what he did do, and what he will do. Amen. Whatever situation you find yourself in today, you need to remember what God can do, what God did do, and what God will do. All right? Because he loves you, and he's on your side, and victory is yours. Victory is yours. Can God prepare a table in the wood? Now watch this, verse 20. I'm almost through. Yes, uh, behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? So here's the thing. God starts providing, and yet they still, ask, they still are asking questions. Can God prepare a table? In other words, can God sustain us here? So what God says, yeah, I can sustain you. So he had Moses strike the rock, water flows out. First of all, how did they not go, oh, my God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I was really stupid. You can't do anything. No, they saw that and said, yeah, but we don't have any food. People are insane. Let's not be too hard on them, though. This is written for us to learn some lessons. They're living this. You and I are reading about it. right? We have the luxury of being able to say, hey, dummies! But they're living in the moment. They're in the trouble. They're, they're, they're feeling the hunger pains, and, the, and they're thirsty. Hmm? And streams overflowed, and he gave bread. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Now watch this, verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. Well, can you blame God for being furious here? What else does he have to do? 
So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. Verse 22. Because they did not believe in God. You see, it, it all comes back to faith. Faith is everything to the Christian life. It's everything to the Christian experience. It's everything to you living in victory or ending up in victory if you're not there right now. Because it is your right now reality. And did not trust in his salvation. Ooh. They did not trust in his salvation. They did not trust that what God started, he was going to finish. Because, see, when they got in process, they lost their minds. When they got in process, they lost their way. All they could think about was where they were right now, not where they came from, and not where they were going. See, that happens when you're, when you're walking this thing out. It happens when you decide, I'm going to declare what God has said over my situation. You know, when you're dealing with some kind of struggle in your body, so you, you start getting the scriptures in your mouth, by his stripes I am healed. Then tomorrow comes. Still sick, still hurting. What are you going to do now? By his stripes, I am healed. And then the next day comes. Okay. It was harder to get up today than it was yesterday, but by his stripes, I am healed. So you're going to be convinced of something. You're going to believe something. You might as well believe in the Lord your God and let his word be established in your life. You might as well trust him to the fullest because he will not let you down. He will not disappoint you. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He's the sure thing. Listen, walking by faith is not risky. Walking by faith takes all the risk out. Anything outside of faith is risk. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the assurance. It's the title deed. Are you hearing me today? It's, this isn't a gamble. Faith is not superstition. Faith is not a, a, a wishful thinking. Faith is real. Faith is your reality. But everything in the natural is going to tell you, don't say you're healed when you're not. That's fake. Maybe you're the only one that, maybe you've never felt, maybe I'm the only one that's felt like that. I guess so. Let me say this to you today. You are where you are. And so I want to encourage you today to choose not to blame God or others for your misfortunes or events or circumstances that have taken place for why you can't seem to get ahead in life or why you're not progressing. Because you can slip into this cycle that will bring nothing but torture to you when you start saying, I should have. This should have. They should have. Hmm? Don't should all over yourself. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think the point was driven home just now. So you see the negative huh, connotation there. 
Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell them, don't shoot all over yourself. Huh? Because you're going to dance around. You're going to dance around. You're going to dance around. I should have married this person. Or I should not have married this person. Huh? I should have taken that job. I should have moved. I should have got an education. God should just give me the winning lottery numbers. Hey, listen, reflecting on your choices, no doubt, is an important and a vital way to grow in your life. But you can't live your real life of faith if you are busy living your should-have life. Let that go. Wherever you are right now, it doesn't matter where you are, victory is still yours. See, God's plan has not changed. His plan is still intact. And he'll take you right where you are and help you see that all things work together for good to those who love God. He didn't bring the trouble in your life. Most of the time, we brought that on ourselves. God did not bring the trouble. He didn't bring the persecution to your life. He's bringing the victory. And he's able to, no matter, he's not intimidated by any level of trouble you find yourself in, so you don't be intimidated by it. You don't give in to it. You don't settle in it. You say, I'm taking the victory. That's all. I'm not going to settle here. I'm not, I'm taking the victory. I'm going to see the promise of God as a reality in my life. I'm not just going to have a promise book that I own. I'm going to live in that promise. Hmm? Amen. Am I talking to you today? Is this helping you? Amen. Because, because life and death are in this. Hmm? Provision and lack are in this. Hope and hopelessness are here. These are all these things. Are, and so we need faith in God. And if you'll believe him, then you'll see what he says you can have. Can I finish with this? <laughs> I knew y'all were ready for the finish. Yes, please finish. <laughs> Actually, no. Worship team, come up here. I want us to, to, to finish this today with this last song that we did, again, and declaring this over our lives. I am a, what's it called? I am a child of God or? Hmm? No longer slaves. Okay, good. So I want you to just dedicate this to the Lord. Just declare this right in the middle of your situation. Because the earth is in turmoil have y'all noticed that the earth is in turmoil? Huh? Not just in violence between men and women, but there's also the earth itself with floods and, and pestilence and, and earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. You know why that's happening? Because God's mad. No, he's not. He's not mad. God's, God got over that. God has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. He put all of his anger on his son. Amen? So don't believe any ding-dong prophet out there that says God's judging the earth. All right? They're ding-dongs. They don't know what Jesus, they act like Jesus didn't even come. All right, that's not true. He brought us the victory. God's not judging the world. He's not judging the earth. If he did, he's not a just God. All right? Jesus took away the sins of the world. If he took away the sins of the world, if he's not imputing our trespasses to us, what has he got to be mad about? Is this mic still on? I don't know if it's still on. So what does he still have to be mad about? 
He's over that. Hmm? He's over that. Now, the son is storing wrath right now. There's a day coming called the wrath of the lamb that, praise God, we're not going to have to endure because we're going to be with him. Amen. So listen to me. The earth, though, is in travail. And you know why it's in travail? Because it is longing for, it's crying out for the revealing of the sons of God. And in its quaking and in its shaking, it's crying out, who? Who will show that they are a son of God and who will declare it and who will live that? Because this is what we need. Sons and daughters of God to say, I'm a child of God and I call here on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done here as it is there. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.